morning. Sunday, April 24th, 2022. Thank you for waking up with me here on Rucksack Radio. The podcast hosted by one veteran, apparently. <laughs> with one mission and 1,776 reasons. Uh, I'm not sure where Phil is this morning. But uh, he's not here, so you get me. I'll have to switch up gears a little bit on what I was planning on doing. So please, uh, please bear with me as I uh, kind of improv. Um, what my plan was for the show this morning. Uh, but I get a, f- a few topics that uh, I want to talk about anyway that will be easy enough for uh, me to get into. Uh, first, yesterday, real quick. Uh, well, then before I get into serious, let me uh, say that uh, it was a beautiful day here yesterday <laughs> for Wisconsin in April. It was 80 degrees. It was sunny. It was beautiful. Uh, today, it's kind of cloudy and overcast, but still looks like it's going to be in the upper 60s, maybe 70. And uh, But by, by tomorrow night, it's going to be back down into the low 30s. <laughs> I think so. It's, uh, it's all it's going to go right back around to what we expect for this time of year here but it was a nice it's been a nice break it was a nice uh it was a nice one day of spring <laughs> we had uh it was beautiful but spent some of the time outside with the dog uh went uh got some groceries all these uh i tell you they they built a new one here not too far from me uh, a couple of couple of years ago maybe uh I I had been to uh, one before that's just a little bit further away, and it was all right. But the new one that they built, it's man, it's it's yeah, it's nice. It's got a whole big fresh produce section, and I mean everything. To it's it it's just amazing what's in there. Um, the quality of stuff you can get, uh, and for 70 bucks i probably got groceries for two weeks or maybe not quite two weeks but it was uh there's a lot of stuff so uh it was a good trip it was a good trip yesterday so i want to thank uh jenny our friend jenny on friday nights on the show for reminding me of that little gem that's out there (laughs) so um i always go to like uh I'm very close to a Target, so I'll often get stuff from there. Um, or I'm very close to our our affiliate of Kroger's here in Wisconsin, which is Pick and Save. That stuff's all way overpriced, especially now. So I was amazed uh, at what I could get there and the prices that uh, I got it, especially you know during this time when uh, everything's so much more expensive. So that was my that was my exciting day yesterday, <laughs> but. Um, it worked out. I'm telling you, I got a couple of pounds of lunch meat. I got uh, yeah, everything. I even got that six pack of hard root beer from there. It was delicious. But uh, like a three pound pack of pork chops. <laughs> it was it was a lot of stuff. I had I had like four giant bags and toilet paper in there. <laughs> a pack of toilet paper. So you know, it's not Charmin, but it doesn't seem to you know, be rough or anything, so uh, it worked, but it's the little things we get excited about when, you know, everything in the world is twice as expensive as it was a year and a half ago, so thank you, Joe Biden, 
<laughs> Asshole. <laughs> anyway, it's not the Putin price hike. Not not at all. That contributed very little to the tail end of this. Uh, but, you know, I was watching yesterday. I shouldn't say watching. I had my earbuds in as I was uh, walking Gibbs. And I was listening to Fox in the morning. And I... It's hard for me to stomach Cavuto because he's such a putz. And he's... Cavuto's really... He's deceptive. I wouldn't say that he's he's deceitful, but he's very deceptive. Um, and he hates Trump. There's no doubt about that. He, uh, You can tell that he is not a Trump guy at all. And... and, and Whatever, but when he tailors his news, they, he always tries to get his guests to say something shitty about Trump. He always tries to coach the conversation in a direction where it's contentious about Trump. It's it's amazing. He's just a uh, he's a putz. But and he I mean he had Fauci on yesterday. Uh, I don't know why we continue to give this asshole airtime. Uh, COVID will go away as soon as Fauci goes away. You know, if Fauci was on there, Fauci was on there saying that doctor, you know, that courts should defer to public health experts like him, basically saying that the principle of a court overruling a public health judgment by a qualified organization is disturb a disturbing in precedent that it might send. No, what's disturbing in precedent is an unelected bureaucrat having authoritarian power over the entire country. That's what's disturbing in precedent, you little fucking gnome. Oh man, I told myself I was going to try to mind my P's and Q's this morning, but now that I'm getting into this, oh, he said we are concerned about the courts getting involved in things that are unequivocally public health decisions. Well, when they're public health decisions that the public doesn't have any say in, that's a problem. The public's only defense and the only voice is the courts. That's how our system works, you little Nazi I used to get pissed at people whose argument all the time would be Nazi. Like, the minute you use Nazi, your argument's disqualified. Well, no, I, it's appropriate in some cases. And Fauci is one of those cases. It, it, it blows my mind how he's, his arrogance is, is, is just, it's seeping out of him. It just pours out of him. It, it, it's disgusting. Uh, but so he was not Cavuto, and that was his his spiel yesterday. Um, it, was, it was annoying. I turned it off. I I quick flipped to my to my tunes, and I had tool cranking then, and and that was fun. That put me in a better mood then. <laughs> so as soon as I heard Fauci's voice, I'm like, all right, what's this little elf gonna say now? And then he said that, and I was like, oh no. And then Cavuto's not even, Cavuto's not even saying anything about it. He's not even like standing up for, you know, like the fact that this is our constitutional process and this is the voice we have when little shits like you decide that you should have all the power in the country. It's a putz. Uh, another article I saw, uh, Robert Reich did an opinion piece um, for. I don't know if it was, it might have been Real Clear Politics or, or USA Today or something like that. And he said that uh, Elon Musk wants to own Twitter to protect his freedom, not everyone else's. Right. It says, when billionaires like Musk justify their motives by using freedom, beware. 
What they actually seek is freedom from accountability. They want to use their vast fortunes to do whatever they please, unconstrained by laws or regulations, shareholders, or even consumers. No, I think you have Musk confused with Dorsey, or Zuckerberg, or Bezos, or Bloomberg. It's ridiculous. All these leftist big billionaire voices... And not an issue, but now that Musk wants to do it, you know, he wants to get in there to save speech. And how is he not constrained by laws? He's filing all the lawful paperwork for this. He's following the regulations, uh, unconstrained by shareholders. He has It, it has to go to, uh, if a board that represents the shareholders doesn't um, accept the offer, the shareholders, there's a role for him to do that. So absolutely the shareholders. Now consumers, people aren't paying to use Twitter. If I, I, they got that new function where you can. I don't know why anybody would, but um, Reich, just as a reminder, is a former U.S. Secretary of Labor, and he's a uh, professor of public policy at California Berkeley, of course. So that <laughs> explains Robert Reich. I think you could pretty much just define anybody's character. By associating them with Berkeley, if that's uh, if they have a tie there, that pretty much tells you everything you need to know. I hope Musk is successful in this. I have no doubt he's going to be. He's put too much effort into this now, um, securing the financing with 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 wiggle room in there too. Musk is going to end up owning Twitter. I feel almost certain about that. Uh, and it'll be easy to see, or interesting to see what he does with it. We've talked about that a lot. The fallout's going to be amazing, though. So, Exxon has prohibited uh, the alphabet flag. <laughs> Let's just call him the alphabet's flag um, with an S, uh, plural, because it's LGBTQ, whatever, and BLM flag. So, they're prohibiting those flags that basically want to stay neutral so they're not uh, allowing flags of any position out there good they, they that's the way it should be i get pissed when i see embassies with the rainbow flag what is that i i you couldn't put the you know the don't tread on me out there you couldn't put the rebel flag out there you could put any other flag of any other ideology or belief system out there i just don't understand it. i still don't understand how such a minority percentage of people can have so much power uh, over the social narrative and over the rest of our lives. I'm not talking about a simple, you know, you know, like it's just the other end of a simple majority or something. It's like a very small fraction. Of people like not even three percent in this case, not even three percent of Exxon's employees, 80,000 some employees they have around the world, not even three uh, percent of them are a part of Exxon's got this price. This they've got all these committees and stuff in their company, and one's like a pride committee or something. And there's like 3,000 Exxon employees that belong to it or whatever. So, I mean, if that's, they're a large company that, that stretches across the world. So, I think it's a good sample size of what the actual percentage is. Uh, so, good for Exxon. I don't need the rebel flag or any other flag um, flying 
out front of any corporation other than the United States flag and maybe the state flag of wherever that um, that building happens to be located at. That's it. That's all it should be there. Because that's about unity. It's not a virtue signal. It's not about highlighting a, a specific group. It's about everybody, all, unity, United States. But I, I'm a hater for saying something like that. It's on just... Ugh. That's <laughs> gross. I was going to get... Uh, and this one, I'll share this anyways, uh, because the story, I think, is important. Um, I was going to ask uh, Phil to guess what this guy did. <laughs> and then, um, hold on, it's a little slow probably to load. Uh, I haven't, it's because Adobe's running in the background. I've only got like eight hours left <laughs> of that processing of Friday night show. So that'll be up uh, you know, sometime this evening. But... Uh, I was going to ask Phil what this guy did, and it's not a dude at all, but uh, there's a story that said, amid public concern about grooming kids, American Library Association picks Marxist lesbian as president. A large organization that drives the training of U.S. librarians and their use of public funds has chosen a self-described Marxist lesbian as its next president amid growing concern about libraries actively connecting children to sexually explicit uh, Materials. Emily Drabinsky was elected president of the American Library Association last week, and she takes office in July 2023. The ALA's uh, approximately 54,000 members include librarians, libraries, library graduate schools, members of library boards and associations, and library students. The vast majority of its membership fees, therefore, are provided by taxpayer funds. Uh, this is... I, in her tweets, she, she admits she's a Marxist. And so this is, this should highlight even more why it's so important that we stay hot on the issues of schools and take our school boards back. Because ultimately, um, the local boards and the states have more jurisdiction over what someone like this might try to have woven into curriculum so again this is not this is the the american libraries it's not anything to do with the school system but she was endorsed uh by randy weingarten right the head of the largest teachers union uh, out there so it's all again if if she was the most qualified person for the job great she met all the criteria and was the most qualified person Fine, but we it's not about that. We know it's never about that anymore. It's about having to... Yeah, I won't. I, I tell you what, I, 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 I tempted to cut my library card up. Sorry, Sarah said she would go to and want to never go to a library again. I, I want to cut my library card up. Because um, I just can't imagine what's going to be... Yeah, I, here's my issue. I don't necessarily have... A problem with public libraries having whatever else information they want in there, but what is she going to have removed from public libraries? Is she going to have books about the Federalist Papers and Anti-Federalist Papers removed from the libraries? You know what? What else is she going to have removed? So I'm not so I'm not as much concerned with what she's going to 
add out there but i want all the information put it all out there so i can see it and know it but what is she gonna have removed and taken out of libraries this i i haven't seen this on the news anywhere about this individual so i don't know why it's not being covered <laughs> out there i would think at least um on, on right side channels, I would expect something like this to be covered, but I I don't watch Newsmax or OANN. I just it's just too far wonky for me. Uh, but I haven't seen it in their headlines. I haven't seen it on Fox. Um, but that's it. I bet it's probably it's Don Lemon probably did a whole segment on her, right? That's <laughs> I haven't seen that. Who knows? Maybe it is out there, but uh, I used to have so many books. Uh, I lost them. Oh man, it, it's a bummer. I just saw that in the chat. Building your own library. Yeah, books are amazing. Um, I I like the feel of a book. I could read online stuff. Um, that's great. But I find myself sometimes just skimming faster and speed reading more when I do that. Uh, you know, parsing through things a little bit more. But, uh, like, the feel of an actual book, there's something about having that knowledge that, you know, I don't know what it is. You can touch it, you can feel it, it's there, it can't, you know what, it can't be removed. <laughs> like, they can take whatever they want off the internet or out of a library, but they can't come to your house and remove the books from your shelves. No, and they can't, alter them or edit it or change the content of it like something can be done electronically so that's to me that's the value of a book is it's 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 in stone if you will you know it's it's there so i think that's a really uh, important aspect so we'll see what happens the american library association but uh the main thing I wanted to talk about today, and we'll see if we end up stretching this to a full hour or not, is the, the, the concept of a third party. And for the longest time, I was really against the idea of a third party for the obvious reasons. It takes, it, it takes votes away from one of the other two. But that logic right there is just essentially admitting that we don't want to take votes away from the lesser of two evils, right? And we shouldn't be focusing on the lesser of two evils. We should be focusing on what is best for us. I don't think the answer is a third party. I think the answer is four, five, six parties. And let me explain why I say that. Because that might sound a little absurd to a lot of people. The Democrats are already going to split. They're going to have two parties over there. You're going to get a third party out of that. But you have a whole movement on the right side that's not really happy either, that's not leftist thinking. I think we're going to, in a few years, I think we're going to have a minimum of four, maybe five. I, I, and I think that's good because it decentralizes things. It puts the two major parties on notice that you're not representing us all anymore the uk has many as more a lot of countries do it's in the united states technically there's the green party and the libertarian party and there's the, the 
Constitution Party. I mean, there's there's all kinds of other parties that just don't, they haven't had any prominence. Um, and maybe it's one of those parties that becomes, or several of those parties that become bigger again. I saw an article, uh, it was on the Bill of Rights Institute, and I, I didn't, I didn't really agree with the way some of it was written, but uh, I want to read some of this, and then it's going to kind of explain. I'm going to go into why I feel the way I do. Uh, this is one of the great debates. It's, the title is, Would You Have Been a Federalist or an Anti-Federalist? And I think we can all probably figure on we've been both at some point in time. Right? Depends on who's in office a lot. You, you know, you kind of get that way. But generally thinking, your philosophy is either very... If you think about your politics right now and your life, you weigh whether it's your local politics or your national politics that give you more ire. And where, and that's a good good way to try to measure where your barometer is in the political arena and to try to understand how you would line up today but the article says one of the great debates in american history was over the ratification of the constitution in 1787 and 1788 those who supported the constitution and a stronger national republic were known as federalists those who opposed the ratification of a constitution in favor of small localized government were known as the anti-federalists both the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists were concerned with the preservation of liberty. However, they disagreed over whether or not a strong national government would preserve or eventually destroy the liberty of the American people. Then this last sentence got me. because It says, today it is easy to accept that the prevailing side was right and claim that had you been alive, you would have certainly supported ratifying the Constitution. Uh, it's not... There's there's a lot of different arguments that get convoluted in this. I mean, it is yes, I think we all agree with the Constitution the way it was written, but I think most of us, especially uh, if you consider states, uh, Florida and Texas are real big examples, but Oklahoma's another one uh, that's put very conservative legislation out. Um, and there are others that are working that in North Dakota, South Dakota, uh, the anti-federalists, the, and it talks about this a little bit further down in the article, but it wasn't that they just necessarily just, they were worried about the infringement on individual liberties. And where is our angst today? The actual infringement of our personal liberties largely caused by people who ironically felt like their personal liberties were discriminated against. I think about how, for how many years the left was all the, the love and peace and love and tolerance you know, and it just think all they, all they preached about was tolerance and tolerance and tolerance. And they have become the most intolerant sons of bitches. <laughs> and, and I think since 
the KKK? When you consider their level of intolerance? They have a deep hatred. Biden didn't get elected because he was loved. He got elected because these people hated Trump. And they hated all of us. And that's that's it. They hate us. They hate you. They hate me. And that's not hyperbole. Trump just speaks on behalf of us. And for that matter, and you know that, because they hate Ted Cruz. You know, and they... Uh, they hate Mitch McConnell. I don't like Mitch McConnell either. But I mean, they hate everything associated with conservative thought. They are in. It's intolerance. It's horrible intolerance. It's violent intolerance. Look at 2020. Look at that summer. They are violently intolerant. Can you imagine 2020? Under just about any other president, at least prior to Obama, I mean, it happened during, during Trump's reign, and I'm still pissed. And the only reason he didn't use the powers he should have used, the Insurrection Act, in 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 many cases, and people people get the Insurrection Act. They often confuse it with martial law. It's not the same thing. The Insurrection Act is limited. It's focused in a particular area. And it's, it's driven by situations and by state um, state requests in many cases. It has to be unless there's other federal conditions that, that meet. There's federal you know, institutions that are in danger, like the courthouse uh, in Portland. But... It was used, the Insurrection Act was used in the 92 riots, the Rodney King riots. And it knocked those down in a, a relatively quick amount of time compared to what we're used to seeing now. Uh, everybody remembers that awful video. I mean, you know, I, I remember the awful video of Rodney King. Get, that was horrible. What happened to him? That was not right. You know, whatever, no matter the piece of shit the guy is and was, that that wasn't right. It was awful. We remember that, and we remember the other video that everybody remembers is the helicopter video circling overhead of truck driver Reginald Denny getting pulled out of his rig and beaten nearly to death. Those, those images, I mean, the, the image is right there in your face. I mean, it's one of those things that everybody saw on TV and everybody remembers that. I think anyways. And it's uh, what the Insurrection Act was used to quell those riots. It's not martial law. It's, it uses some of the same tactics in operation in, in a, a very confined area for a specific reason. But Trump... Could have used that, and I'm st- and he didn't only because he was worried about the political ramifications, which in hindsight was a bad call, a really bad call. Now, right? Uh, 
that it should have been used in, in, in limited capacities. It never would have flown under any other president. Um, but I, I get where I go to that is the intolerance. Um, left is intolerance. And what was important to the anti-federalists was individual liberties. To kind of bring that all full circle a little bit to where I started. The article goes on and says the anti-federalists were not as organized as the federalists. I would disagree um, in a sense. (coughs) They were organized. They were just um, more secretive about it for a very good reason. Um, They did not share one unified position on the proper form of government. That's not right either. They did share a position. It said, however, they did unite in their objection to the Constitution uh, as it was proposed for ratification in 1786. Yes. It says, the Anti-Federalists argued against the expansion of national power. They favored small localized governments with limited national authority as was exercised under the Articles of Confederation. So in one sentence, I'm not, uh, this article, I want to bring you content out of this article that I think is important, but it's hard for me not to critique <laughs> the way something is written or um, how it's written when I'm reading it to you. So in one sentence, it says they did not share one unified position on the proper form of government. In another, they favored small governments with limited national... Th- it, it, oh. <laughs> Where can I get an editor job? I can't. I don't have a college degree. I, I, I failed an English class once. My junior year in high school. I think I shared that story once, believe it or not. A, it was a composition class, too. <laughs> a writing composition class. Failed it. My uh, second quarter or third quarter, I think. Oh, basically, it was because I fucked off and didn't do my homework and was just totally not interested in writing at that point in my life. So I think we, we had to do some kind of paper and had to be like six pages or something. <laughs> I turned in six words, just one word real big on each side of each page, stapled it. <laughs> I'm not fucking doing this. Something like, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't swear. It wasn't like that, but I, I didn't, uh, I didn't have the passion for it at the time. Uh, so I didn't do well. This comes back to the article. Okay, I didn't like the way <laughs> that was written. It just makes no sense to me. But, the, you know, the Anti-Federalists then, therefore, only a confederacy of the individual states could protect the nation's liberties and freedom. That's what they felt. Uh, another, other, uh, another and perhaps their most well-known concern was over the lack of the Bill of Rights. Perhaps their own security. That is, people know that one more than they know their view of a less centralized power. <laughs> That's, oh, God. Clearly, <coughs> even if it's the uh, Bill of Rights Institute.org or whatever, they have some liberal editors. Um, they said the Constitution would not. Uh, be able to sufficiently protect the rights of individuals and states. Uh, again, here perhaps the strongest voice for this concern was that of George Mason. He was the primary voice of that. He believed the states, state bills of right would be trumpeted by a new constitution. It would not stand as adequate protections for citizens' rights. It was this concern that ultimately led to the passing of the Bill of Rights as a condition for ratification. So New York, Virginia, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and North Carolina those states said we are, we're out of this. They weren't the only uh, 
states that disagreed. Say, but they they were five that said we're out of this unless we pass a bill of rights as well, which did get passed several months later. It didn't get passed at the same time. So that you couldn't do that in this day and time age and you know day and age because say, all right, we'll pass this bill, but in nine months we want this. Because the way politics are, it wouldn't happen and there'd be all this fighting and whatnot. But back then they did. So those states, again, New York, because of New York, Virginia, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and North Carolina, um, we have a Bill of Rights. So if you are in those states, be proud, even if you're transplants to those states. <laughs> oh, it's for you, Jenny. Uh it's the Federalists challenge this belief and claim that a stronger national republic would be better preserving of individual liberties of the people. By extending the sphere of the republic, individual and minority rights would be better protected from infringement by a majority. There's certainly an argument for that. It's true. That's why we have the balance of power. That is why we have a constitution that is so genius. This constitution that these people say is outdated and it, it, what they're saying is it's not authoritarian enough for their worldview, right? It doesn't protect their right to only impose what they want. The, the Constitution is probably the most objective document ever written. And it has that balance of power in mind. It's because of the states that you, you, you look at Florida and you realize that things are getting challenged, that a federal narrative is trying to push. It's really dangerous when they have control of, you know, all of the power. There is that balance of power. The federal government should be able to put a check on the states if, say, all of a sudden, you know, New York decides it, it it's going to take away all your guns. Or, you know, it, it's, they should have that check. And the states should have that check to say, no, you're not putting masks on all of my citizens. We have our own you know, uh, state health departments. We have scientists too. <laughs> the ones at the CDC that are pseudoscientists, I think at best. Listen, this side tangent, the CDC has ruined its credibility for life. Nobody anymore is going to take it. You know, it's, it's not that we're not going to believe what the CDC has to say. It's not that it's that we're not going to take direction from them. Um, Yes, we're going to question some of what they say also, but it's going to be a resource. Like, oh, I'm going to look over here and see, <laughs> look at my card catalog for the CDC and see what they have to say about poison ivy. You know, you're not going to go to them for, for massive um, pandemic-like information anymore. People are going to trust their state health departments more now, I think, and, and that's great. Then you know what? 
then suddenly we have 50 scientists in the room, not just one. That sounds like a much better idea to me. It's a much different story when you got three or four governors saying, we've got to put masks on everybody, and 46 other governors saying, no, that's not what science is. Right? So, uh, we've become, in this day and age, I, anyway, would very much be an anti-federalist. Now, during Reagan, I was probably a federalist. It's just it, 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 your viewpoints change, and they change for a reason. It's because naturally, as civic-minded, intellectual people with knowledge of a constitution and just basic human philosophy, it's the balance. When you start feeling that your rights are being infringed upon, you're going to go to the other end of that. And sometimes it's been the states, sometimes it's been the federal government. The balance of power, the beautiful, objective balance of power in our fundamental, organic, raw, vegan constitution. <laughs> it's... Nah, my constitution's full of meat and potatoes. <laughs> it's got all kinds of good stuff in there. My constitution's like a good beef stew. <laughs> but it uses like 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 chunks of ribeye in it instead of, you know, tougher beef. <laughs> uh, I don't know, what do you guys, uh, if you're in the chat, you have thoughts on it? Am I, am I thinking crazy? But where I'm going with this is you had several, uh, you had two main opposing ideals, but there were several different thoughts about it with the states. And I think in a few years we get to four or five parties. And I think that's great because I think it's suddenly people are going to have to uh, think <laughs> they're going to have to think. And there's going to be a lot less uh, influenced by lobbyists, I think. And I think that's what ultimately breaks down the power. A third party, yes. But you were still gonna we're still in a position where we're trying to figure we just don't we want the lesser of two evils. And it, I, more parties means that more people are engaged. Uh and, and it just I think that's how we get back to the organic fundamental place that the Federalists and the Anti Federalists, our founding fathers, where their viewpoints were. All these different local politics were different in Rhode Island than they were in North Carolina in the late 1700s. But they shared a guiding principle about their individual liberties. They didn't think that one government ruling over everybody 
uh, was a, a good idea without the amendments, of course, and that's why their condition of ratification was that. But there was varying ideas, and that's what we get back to. When we get back to our local governments, locally civic-minded, we could share guiding principles. We could share belief in, you know, uh, we all have a strong, we all want a strong national security. We want, all want to, you know, uh, this group all wants a strong border. But some of this group are, you know, maybe more liberal-minded in one area or another. And it just, I, I think we're going to get to that place where we have, you still have two prevailing points of view on some larger issues or guiding principles, but you're going to have substantial uh, separation on those two sides. And that's what breaks it down. That's what gets us back to... I just... It, logically and fundamentally, philosophically, I think that's what does it. It's much more education, I, I agree. Lobbyists aside, um, absolutely much, yeah. The education is huge, and it's a choice. It's entirely a choice. I, <laughs> I didn't decide that till way too late. I, <laughs> I graduated high school what they got a, a 2.6 and that's only and that's only because I, I had my senior year i had like a almost a four point because i i had all the credits i needed and i just took a bunch of electives which i took all history and government and civics uh, and world history uh, history and western civilization uh, i i took i i, I filled it with that because that's the only stuff that really interested me so my senior year, I just cruised through. Uh, but I didn't, the other years, I just didn't, I, I wasn't interested in learning. I wasn't, I uh, was bored with it. You know, I didn't, it just, I didn't pay attention. I got, I was lazy with it. Um, but I made the choice later in life to educate myself. Everything from, uh, I mean, the Iliad and the Odyssey <laughs> to, uh, you know, Plato's Republic to Lincoln to, I, I've, it's, I've made the choice. And, and everybody has that choice. That ultimately is going to come, it comes down to parenting and how, what kind of value, are you, you know, not that you're necessarily reading in front of your kids every night, you're reading to your kids every night, although that's how I grew up. I grew up and every night my mom or dad are both read to us before bed. Think about how, I bet that's not a common thing anymore. I, I can't, I, I would be willing to say that that's probably a lost tradition, a lost value, a lost importance 
I think the bonding you get with that, the the awareness you get with that, the education and the, the 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 time that you're getting together with that that it's education is fixed with strong school boards yes it's also it's got to be fixed at home as well it's got to be a a thing that kids learn has importance and has value I wish I would have you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? But I've spent the at least the last ten years of my life just immersed in learning anything that I can. I took a few years back. I took a, there was a local like some kind of course on elect. It was a like three day conference or something on electronics. I have no interest in electronics, but I, I did it anyway. It wasn't, it was like 50 bucks or something. I'm like, ah, let me check this out. And then I learned something about, you know, transformers and resistors and, and, and all this stuff. And I was like, all right, okay. I, <laughs> I, there's something I took away from this and, but I've done that. And I, I just, I've continually wanted to learn three years ago or two years ago, three years ago. Um, I took an online course through Harvard's online platform, Harvard X, um, and in meteorology. It was a six-week course or whatever, and uh, I, I flew through that. It was great. I loved it. I have a passion for that. I learned it, but I'm, uh, and but it was just learning things. It's keeping your mind trained on how to think. And yeah, packed full of useless knowledge. We all are. Every one of us has things that just, I've got that. And somebody looks at you like, why do you know that? <laughs> it's, you know, it it happens. But we've all got those things. And, and so, yeah, you, you, you have information to share. But I think it's the credibility behind it that is important. Oh, pardon me. Dry, uh, dry mouth with all that talking. <laughs> Again, no Phil. <laughs> You're okay out there, Phil. Your head's not pounding too bad. <coughs> the, uh, so the, the, the idea of multiple parties is something that I, a couple of years ago I would have thought we would be insane to discuss, but now, no, not at all. I think that uh, it is the only way we dilute this centralized swamp garbage that runs through 95% of all government. That has to get back to a government of, by, and for the people. That's, that's where we started. We didn't, we didn't have anything else. 
We started somewhere great. And I hope that we don't get to a point where only violence will make us great again. Uh, Brian, I absolutely agree with you 100%. Convention of the States is currently the only way this ball will get rolling. Uh, That is absolutely true. It's... And we're, we're, we're close to it. And this this election, listen, and we're going to talk more about this. I remember earlier in the year I shared uh, where certain state legislatures were at. We need 34 states. Um, got 30, 31. Uh, Minnesota just needs to flip its state house, I believe. The Senate is already red. Um, and then we talked about Colorado, Virginia, and um, there was another one in there. I'm sorry, I don't remember which one it was now. Uh, but we're going to go into detail on those again because this election is the time for people to swing their state legislatures red. We get to 34 states, and that can happen. You need 38 to ratify an amendment. But this, this the Democrats have screwed up so bad, and it's not going to be a short-term memory issue because it just keeps getting worse. And it listen, we're... It, this week, one of the shows I'm going to spend talking about some reminders on uh, personal safety and awareness for riot season because it's coming. So that big distraction is coming. Um, and it, it's going to happen. So uh, we have to... Uh, it wasn't Michigan. I think it was... Uh, sorry, just sorry that in the chat. It was, uh, it was another East... Might have been Vermont or something like that, ironically, or so. I think it was somewhere in the Northeast, maybe. Um, but the uh, the momentum is is in our favor. So riot season's coming. This is going to get. It's just going to get more and more ugly. It's not going to get any better. Especially when now is a time when some Democrats are starting to pull away because they're seeing what's happening at the border and they're seeing what's happening with crime. And they're like, whoa. <laughs> we, uh, so, and those are two key issues that we excel at. So we should stay on the pedal with them for sure, but we can't neglect some of the other issues that have happened with the inflation and gas prices and all that. We have got to, all of these things have to remain the argument. But now is the time where people can affect turning their states red. We get 34 states on board. You get a convention of the states. You amend the Constitution to include a number of things, not the least of which is term limits. And we could spend a whole other episode and will um, as we get closer to that time. So it is it's what to do. And I, people now... On both sides, because people running around with their masks still. Like, oh, thank God, I've got Governor Newsom. <laughs> you know, it's he saved me. And people are like, thank God for Ron DeSantis. You know, it's so the the mentalities. It's it's wild, but on both sides, people are becoming more state, more state minded in in ways. So that's where you're going to shift power. That's where you're going to win things over. Because ultimately that rolls up. 
that bubbles up. Those state representatives and state figures are ones that end up in the federal system. And it's a natural cleansing of toxic political ideology. It's like the way the earth clears itself of species when it's done with it to do its thing. That's the other reason that the, the climate people are just think if you're so arrogant <laughs> to think that Mother Nature's not just going to purge us when she's done with us, she's been doing it for five and a half billion years <laughs> already. Six and a half billion years, something like that. It's, it's, there's a, you know, when a system, when a life system has too much toxicity, it goes extinct. And we have to bring this political extinction, of course, uh, of sorts, uh, to to an end, we have to we have to we have to bring it to be so that we get rid of this toxic system of authoritarian rule and get back to individual state powers with an all having the concerns that our original founding fathers had. National security, uh, trade. Those were the two big things. Really. The two big things the federal government were really tasked to do was our, our national security and treaties. Both with the intent of keeping all of the individuals protected within the whole. That's simple. Everything else we do, local. I don't. I it just. It, it's. It's simple to me. It's. It's not just simple philosophy, but it's. It's simple. Freaking biology. I mean, just look at the condition of any other life system out there on the planet you can't sustain this yeah anyway, was whack this morning because I had to go on a complete different tangent from what I had planned this morning uh, but that's all right I get to ramble to all of you for 55 minutes. <laughs> so thanks for hanging out with me in the chat. Really appreciate it. But I named one senior national leader who hasn't been bought off by a foreign nation or a corporation. Yeah, there's probably not one. I can't think of... Uh, I can't think of one. I mean, you want to... You, you immediately want to go to somebody like a... You know, like a DeSantis, you know, in a way that just from just 
But he's not. I mean, he's got... Everybody has their agendas, of course. People are freaking out about... I'm going to... Let me finish with that. My opinion's on this Disney thing. Um, the left is freaking out about this. Like, it's this tyrannical move. And no, what Disney had with this governance wasn't a right. It was a privilege <laughs> that they were granted. It, a lot of people in this country always get those things confused. Rights and what are rights and what's a privilege? You know, what's a privilege and what's a right? And and that's, but Disney was given that was it was a privilege given to it by the government to have its autonomy. It, it was not so. All these lefties are freaking out like, oh, it's tyrannical. It's uh, 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 no, <laughs> it's not. They, they just don't get it. Yeah, you're right. Between Disney and Twitter, we're seeing... Yep. I've, it's... <coughs> oh, man. <laughs> but So I don't have a problem with what Florida did. What's going to be interesting to see... At some point, it, it's going to come to a mediation of some sorts. Because Disney doesn't want to lose some of its authority... And the state of Florida really doesn't want to have to clean and police <laughs> and and pave all of that area within Disney, right? So the, the math's not going to end up working out in the state's favor on the end, I think. So they're gonna they're gonna come to some kind of mediation there. But I it I, what happened was not. It happens. It's alleged. It was an act. It was a privilege granted by the state. I'll give you, you know, an example, like the Waukegan Port Authority in New Jersey or New York, uh, New Jersey is it? Which one is it? <laughs> I can't remember. New York Port Authority, or is it New Jersey Port Authority? They both have port authorities. <laughs> it's it, anyway. <laughs> it's the Waukegan uh, Port Authority was an act created by the state that is governed by the city and the state. It's like a, it's its own pseudo thing. It has control over the port in the Waukegan Airport. And it's got it lists out how board members are appoint some are appointed by the mayor of Waukegan, some are appointed by the governor of the state. So it's and it alternates rotates between them so now in a case of Waukegan like Illinois it's all liberals so it's just all garbage either way but uh, I'm not it's oh, just it, it it dysfunctional but these states put these legislations out there for these self-governing districts all the time and they take them away all the time it's a story because it's Disney and because it's a story because it's the woke it's the wokeism, right? It's it's all this because Santa did this because he wants all gay people to be thrown in a pool full of sharks with freaking laser beams on their heads. <laughs> it's, it's, that's why DeSantis did this. It's so ridiculous. The 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 hyperbolic bullshit <laughs> that gets put out there. Uh was that an appropriate awesome powers? 
gesture. I, I, I think that's what that was from, wasn't it? The sharks with laser beams on their heads. I don't <laughs> remember. Um, okay, so that wasn't funny to you. You <laughs> didn't get it. But I swear it's in an Austin Powers movie. Sharks with laser beams on their freaking foreheads. <laughs> Something like that. Somebody look it up. So I'm not going completely nuts. <laughs> it's, um, but it's, it's just all in it, the don't say gay bill. <laughs> it's, um, it doesn't say that anywhere in <laughs> legislation, of course. But this is the new written house cross state lines <laughs> to commit a, to, you know, that's that's what this is. Don't say gay. Written house cross state lines. That's what this is. It's exactly what it is. It's the same thing. <laughs> it's, it's the same damn thing. It's bullshit. Deflection and, and just outright deceitfulness. But. You see what happens when the pendulum swings too far. Because it can only swing so far. You know why? Science. <laughs> it's physics. Right? It's, it's actual science. The pendulum can only swing so far before it swings back. And we have been on this pendulum ride for a long time. It is swinging back, ultimately to a point of balance, but it is swinging back. Also consider the physics of that. So it swings up and suddenly is going back the other way. So that snap and thought can be troubling too but uh, it's it's getting there and that's I mean we have to so, hey thanks for being with me today really appreciate it I went on and on and on and rambled there at the end so thanks for sticking with me <laughs> it made no sense at all I uh, really appreciate you hanging out with me for the whole hour. I hope that you all have an amazing uh, rest of your Sunday. And I'll see you on Tuesday, the 26th, 7 p.m. Central. Go to RucksackRadio.com and check out uh, information about the show there and contribute if you wish. I appreciate you all so much. Friends, there is no substitute in, uh, for educated and passionate patriots who value our sacred hunts of liberty. Take action to preserve them. I'm honored to share your company. Rock on. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you.